Torah is going to be much shorter. And like the seventh chapter focused on prophecy, which it's very clear why it's such an important uh, base of Judaism. The eighth chapter is going to focus more specifically on the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, which also is very clear. If Moshe Rabbeinu did not have the kind of prophecy that he had, then the Torah can always be substituted. Someone can just come and say, hey, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu said that we should put on tefillin, but I just had another dream that says that we should not. So Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is supreme. It's exceptional. Nobody can ever exceed it, which makes whatever he said totally and utterly eternal, and nobody can ever substitute it or replace it or override it. So we are going to start Perek Shemini. Something very important about Moshe Rabbeinu, the reason for our belief in his prophecy has nothing to do with the miracles that he performed. Because as we said, if your belief is based on these kinds of signs that you see, there is always going to be some doubt. Because it's always possible that the sign was done some kind of an illusion or trick. Anything and everything Moshe Rabbeinu did in the desert was done for necessity, it was necessary for Am Israel. This was not in order to establish the veracity of his prophecy. When it was necessary for the Egyptians to drown, then he opened the sea and made them drown in them. When we needed food, the man came down. When we were thirsty, Moshe brought water forth from the rock. When the, the group of Korah rebelled against him, threatening his authority, in the order in the desert, then the land, the earth swallowed them, and so too all the other signs. Nothing Moshe Rabbeinu did in the desert was to prove that what he was saying. Interestingly, Harambam brings very shrewdly the example of Korah, and very shrewdly he brings it last, because Korah, one might think, was the kind of, of, uh, of sign that a prophet brings to show his prophecy. Moshe Rabbeinu says, now you will know that everything I do, uh, I do because God tells me, not for my own. That Moshe Rabbeinu prefaced what happened to Korah by saying, if what is about to happen happens, you'll know that God sent me. But the point here is not that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, if what, happened, if what happens to Korah happens as I said it, you'll know I'm a true prophet. He was saying, if what happens to Korah happens the way I describe it, you'll know that God has chosen Aharon and has chosen me, which is subtle, it's a subtle difference, but difference, but a very important one. Bet. 
then what is it that forms the basis of our belief, of our trust in Moshe's veracity, in that Moshe Rabbeinu, everything he says is true prophecy, is because of whatever happened at Har Sinai. It was with our own eyes that we saw, not through the eyes of someone else. It was our ears that heard, not anybody else. This event with the fire, with the noises, the sounds, with the lapidim means the columns of smoke. While Moshe Rabbeinu himself. We saw him with our eyes go, go into the cloud, and we heard a voice talking to him. And we heard, Moshe, 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 go and tell them ABC. The Torah says, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, face. Befanim means by face or in your presence, in your presence. Farim Befanim means in your presence. God talked to you. In other words, God told me what to tell you in your presence. It's also said that God, uh, he entered into this covenant with us, with ourselves, as we were aware. Gimal. And how do we know that it's Ma'amad Har Sinai, that it's Har Sinai, the proof that Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is true, and not any of the signs he did? Because the Pasuk says, Parashat it says, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, I am hereby coming down to you specifically in the thick of the cloud, in other words, where nobody can see because there's nothing to see, so that the people can hear as I am talking to you, as I'm telling you what to tell them. And they will too believe in you forever. In other words, this entire event was in order for Am Israel to believe in Moshe Rabbeinu forever as we do. So you learn from here that before this event, Am Israel did not believe in Moshe Rabbeinu, a belief that could continue forever, but rather some kind of a, a veracity. They thought that Moshe Rabbeinu, what he was saying was true, but there was always a doubt, that there could be a doubt lingering in the mind after hearing Moshe Rabbeinu saying a certain thing. Har Sinai took away all of those doubts. Therefore, those who were the recipient of this message, namely the people at Har Sinai, Am Israel, they themselves are witnesses, are the testimony on the veracity of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. And since they are the witnesses, why would Moshe Rabbeinu then need to prove it to them through some kind of a sign, 
again, signs are never perfect proof, they too were witnessed were witnesses to the same event. Moshe Rabbeinu heard, Moshe talk, heard Hashem talking to him, and we, Am Israel, heard Hashem talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. So we don't need any proof that Hashem talked to Moshe Rabbeinu. We witnessed it ourselves. Like when you have two witnesses experiencing the same event at the same time. Each of them, by virtue of having experienced the same thing, is a living testimony to the fact that the other witness is telling the truth. None of them needs to bring proof, needs a proof to be brought to what his friend is saying. So too, Moshe, the entirety of the Jewish people are his witnesses after Har Sinai. He does not need to do any sign to them. This is what God tells him at the beginning of his prophetic career. When God gave Moshe Rabbeinu these three signs to show to the Jewish people in Egypt, which were to have the, the staff become a snake, to have his hand turn, in, turn white with sarat, and to have the water turn into blood, he said, they are going to listen to you. When God told him they are going to listen to you because of these three things, when Moshe Rabbeinu heard that the Jewish people are going to believe in his message because of these three things, he started hesitating because he knew that when someone believes a message because of a sign, like one of these three signs, that belief is never 100%. There is always some doubt lingering. And this is why, says Harambam here, by the way, a very interesting interpretation and explanation for why Moshe Rabbeinu refused to go, Amar, and that's why he insisted and he said to God, He says to God, they are not going to believe in me, they are not going to believe that God sent me. What do you mean, Moshe Rabbeinu? God just gave you three signs. So no, so Moshe knew that three signs Signs are never enough. And then how did God convince him to actually go? He didn't give him a fourth sign. He says, He said to him, He said to him, These signs are temporary. This is how they are going to believe in you while they are in Mitzrayim. But afterwards, but once they stand atop this mountain where Moshe Rabbeinu was encountering God and receiving this message, this mission, they are no longer going to have this doubt. Why? Here, then, afterwards, I am going to make it 100% clear to them that you are my messenger, and they are going to believe in the message that you are conveying to them without any doubt, and retroactively, they are going to then know that you were all along my messenger, 
not because of these signs, but because of what's going to happen on this mountain. Ve'usha ha'katuv omer, and that's what the pasuk says, ve'zeh lecha ha'ot yanokhi shilachticha, and this, in other words, emphasis, and this, and only this, is going to be the ultimate proof that I sent you, as you take out the nation from Egypt, you're going to serve me on this mountain. Hashem didn't tell him exactly what was going to happen, as far as we know from the Pesukim, but something was going to happen, as Moshe knew, on Har Sinai, that would make it clear for once and for all, without any shred of doubt, that Moshe is God's messenger, and not only as proven by the supernatural signs. Vav, Nimseta Omer, Shekol Navisha Yamoda Hamosha Rabbenu, Enanu Mamnimbo, Penehot Levadokel, Shemar, Yasot, Nishmalo, Holmashi Omar, Ella Mipeneha Misvash, Sivano, Moshe Baturave, Amari Natan, Otelav, Tishmaun, Kemosh Sivano, Lachtoha, Davara Pishane Adin, the Apalpishan Annual Amy in the Metaidu in Shekel. Very important mitzvah, now we go to the very practical consequence of what we are saying. Every person that we trust as a prophet, and we listen to what they have to say, after Moshe Rabbeinu, we listen to them, not because of the sign that they have, but because the Torah says we have to listen to them. Just like, when we believe two witnesses, we don't believe because we are absolutely sure that they are correct, but because the Torah says we should trust their testimony. That's the law. Nebuah, from that moment on, is a function of the Torah, which is very, very, very important. Why? Because Jesus. Why? Because Muhammad. In other words, any prophet that might come after the Torah does does not have any inherent value in what they are saying. We'd only believe them because the Torah says we have to believe them and under the circumstances the Torah prescribed, which obviously were not present neither with Jesus nor with Muhammad. Zayin. That's why if comes someone who is allegedly a prophet and does tremendously impressive things, and through those he wants to approve or override anything Moshe Rabbeinu said, like Muhammad and Yeshu, we don't listen to them. And furthermore, we can be certain that those signs we are seeing, those allegedly supernatural things we are seeing, are actually tricks and illusions. And uh, one very important distinction, the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu is not based on signs. If it was based on signs, then it becomes a function, it becomes a matter of who is the bigger magician. And then we have to see, is allegedly walking on water better or is, or is opening the, the sea better? And then, you know, we, we might decide for someone other than Moshe Rabbeinu if what they do is more impressive. But with Moshe Rabbeinu, what happened is we saw with our own eyes. We heard with our own ears. Just like he heard. It wasn't the proof. It was we. We saw it. We witnessed it. We need no proof. And therefore, 
any alleged proof that might come afterwards cannot undo what we saw. What is this comparable to? Again, the perfect analogy here is witnesses. Imagine if you know exactly where you were Tuesday morning, you know exactly what you were doing and what you were not doing, and then two witnesses come and say, hey, Tuesday morning we saw him murdering uh, John Doe. You know that's not true. It doesn't matter that two witnesses are coming and saying that. Just like it wouldn't matter to us that an alleged prophet comes and says something that is inconsistent with Moshe Rabbeinu. I witnessed what I was doing Tuesday morning, and we, Am Israel, witnessed Moshe Rabbeinu's veracity, the truth of his prophecy. Tet. That's why the Torah says, that even though this sign that the alleged prophet comes and brings in order to say something inconsistent with what Moshe Rabbeinu told us, that we are forbidden, we are proscribed from listening to such a person, to such a prophet, when they come to, for example, instruct us to do Abu Dazara or to do something against the Torah in a non-exceptional way. In other words, to change the Torah uh, in a permanent way, as we're going to see in the next chapter. Because this person is trying to, through a sign, which would make him a good prophet, just because the Torah said so, he wants to uproot something which we saw with our own eyes. And because what we believe of the Torah is not on account of any signs, it's not on account of the man, it's not on account of the, the opening of the Yamsuf, but rather, I'm sorry, because the, the reason we, we believe any prophet is not because of the signs they do, but because the Torah said we have to listen to someone who comes with such a sign, how could we logically accept such a person when he comes to undo the same book that tells us that we should listen to that person in the first place, being that this Nebuah of Moshe Rabbeinu is something we saw and heard with our own eyes and ears. So tomorrow we'll do Be'ezat Hashem, the ninth chapter, which deals more specifically with the Torah.